Thanks for tuning in to Next Level Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. So before we dive into things, uh, I just want to let you know, uh, I do a little random, kind of supposed to be fun thing on my Instagram page. Uh, Every Sunday after our last service, I declare who had the hottest service of the week. And I just want to let you know that last week you guys had so much energy that you were the hottest service of the week. So, uh, so keep, keep, keep that going. We greatly appreciate you being here and making this your, your service. It is our smallest attended service uh, that we have, but it makes a massive difference uh, because this is our recording service. And so it is so much better to preach with live people in the room than to preach when it's empty. And so thank you so much for making this your service. Thank you for, for being here. And for everyone that is watching online and a part of our online community, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, we love you and appreciate that you're a part of our, our church. Well, last week we kicked off a brand new series called Fixer Upper, Remodeling Your Family. And one thing that really annoys me about being a homeowner is that homes act like living organisms. I know they're not alive, but they act like it. Like, in my mind, what I want to happen is I want to buy a house and then just coast. I don't ever want to have to work on it. I don't want to have to do anything to fix it up. But that's not the way that houses work. Houses are constantly evolving and changing. And I, I wish I never had to repaint something or, or change out the carpet because of a stain that just won't come out. I wish I didn't know about having to fix a leaky roof. I really wish I didn't know about a dishwasher that flooded our kitchen. I wish I didn't have to deal with these things. I wish that we never had to fix up our homes, but the truth is, is that it's just not realistic to think that you can have a home and never work on it. And it's the same thing with your family. Your family is constantly needing to be worked on. There are constantly things that need to be tweaked, and great families take consistent work. Sometimes when we jump into a family, whether it's marriage or with kids, we think, okay, we did some hard work in the beginning, we did some hard work in the dating phase, and then we just want to coast. But coasting gets us in so much trouble. The great families come with a lot of great hard work. But that actually is one of the difficulties that we face with our families. Uh, We talked about this last week, and that is we like the idea of family more than our family itself. We like the idea of having a family We like the idea of taking uh, funny, great, amazing Christmas photos and sending out a card. We like the idea of Thanksgiving dinner with the family. We like this idea of getting our family together. But then when you get the family together, you're like, this is hard work. There's issues and there's problems and there's, there's headaches and there's things that we disagree with. And because every family has some issues and every family has some things to work on, Scripture has given us a foundation. How do we handle these issues? How do we handle the problems that come our way? And that's where we were introduced last week to wisdom. And I love the the definition that the ancients give of wisdom. Wisdom is the art of skillful living. Wisdom is the art of skillful living. So every family has an issue. Every family has, has problems. Every family has some things that we should work on, that we need to work on. We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to admit that we have issues, but we do. So if you're here and you would say, my family has some issues, you're in great company because everyone has some issues in their family. And wisdom is the thing that helps us figure out how to solve these issues. 
Last week we saw what Jesus said about wisdom. Jesus said that the way that you gain wisdom is by doing what he says. So you hear what Jesus says and then you do what he says. That's how you gain wisdom in your life and in your family. And so last week we kicked things off uh, by introducing part one of the three keys to remodeling your family. And I want to encourage you to take some notes or if you're just like going to refuse to take notes and you are not going to listen to anything I ask you to do, at least I would suggest take a picture of the screen and uh, if you take a picture it'll last longer. Maybe you'll be able to remember it. So three keys to remodeling family. The first one is wisdom. And today we're going to talk about number two. And in order to do that, we need to look at our theme scripture for today. And our theme scripture is Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. And at Next Level, we honor the text because we believe it is the best way to hear from God. And the way that we do that is by standing to our feet and reading the scripture nice and loud. So I want to invite you to stand to your feet and read with me Proverbs 24, 3 through 4. And then we like to have a little bit of fun. And if you're anti-fun, that's cool. We won't pressure you to do this. But just know that all the cool people do what we're about to do. And that is, uh, there are two dots between the 24 and the 3. And we like to just look at those dots and say dot, dot, and pump our fists. It's just a weird little fun thing that we do. So I want to invite you to do the dot, dot with us. Will you read it with me nice and loud, starting at the very beginning of Proverbs 24, dot, dot, 3 through 4. It says, By wisdom a house is built. And through understanding, it is established. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Proverbs 24, dot, dot, three through four. Now that we've read the text, let's go to God in prayer. And just ask that you bow your head and just pray quietly in your heart to God. And a prayer that I would encourage you to pray is, God, would you speak to my heart? And would you give me the courage to do whatever you tell me to do? I want to give you a few seconds just to quietly Talk to God in your heart. And God, that is our prayer. Um, family is difficult. Family is, is not always easy. It's not always fun. It's not always roses and rainbows and everyone getting along. There's some real hurt and real damage that can come from family. And so, God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts today. We can't control the other members of our family, but we can work on controlling ourselves. So we ask that you would help us to do our part to make sure that we have healthy families. And we ask that you'd speak to our hearts now in a personal way. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. You may have a seat. So last week... I mentioned this idea of the wish dream. The wish dream is introduced by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and it's this idea that he really applied to the church, that there are many Christians who have an ideal dream of what the church should be. And because the church is filled with people, oftentimes it's messy and there's difficulties, and real-life relationships often don't match the wish dream. And because they don't match the wish dream, then people end up criticizing the church. And I think that idea applies to our families. Because I think in our families, I think we have some wish dreams. I think we have some ideas of what we think family should look like. And we have these ideas, maybe we got them from television or from movies or even from our own parents growing up. But we started to develop these theories and these ideas. And we say things to ourselves one day when I get married, my wife is going to do and fill in the blank with whatever that is. And then we get married and our wife doesn't do what we think that she should do. And we think, well, what's wrong with her? 
Or you, you grow up and you think, one day when I get married, my husband is going to, he's going to do fill in the blank. And we have these ideas of what we think they're going to do. And then it happens with kids that once we get married and we start talking about kids, we have these dreams. Oh, our kids are going to do this and our kids are going to look like this. And they're going to, and then we have kids and like, well, that didn't match my expectation. That didn't match what, what, I, what I thought. I relate a lot to being a dreamer. I relate a lot to having this imagination. I am constantly thinking about the way things should be or could be. And if I'm not careful, I will create an unrealistic expectation with my dreams. I remember many, many years ago, I was on a church staff at, a, at another church, and we were going through our very first building campaign. And they brought in like the architect to meet with our, our staff. And because I was on the senior staff, I got to be a part of this meeting. And the guy starts off the meeting by saying, this is a brainstorming meeting. You can dream big. So I hear I can dream big. That's what I'm going to do. So he says, they're just going to throw it out to the room. Everyone just throw out your ideas. There's no wrong ideas. Just dream. And the first couple people started talking, and I was going to let them have their turn. I didn't want to speak up too much. I didn't want to talk too much. And so the first person says something like, I would, I would really like a little bit more storage space in this new building. And I'm thinking, lame, that is a horrible idea. Like, that's not big. Like, dream bigger than that. It finally comes to my turn, and I'm I, like, I'm like pulling out all the guns. I'm like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a moat that goes through the middle of the lobby and the name of the church is Water's Edge, and so it had a water theme. And so in my mind, I was like, this is perfect. Every single week when people walk in, they can go to the literal edge of the water, and we will baptize people in this moat. Not only that, it will be like the, the, the lazy river at water country, and we can just like float up and down it. And I was like so excited, and I'm casting this vision, and like no one's in agreement with me. No one is riding this. No one is like saying that's a great idea. And I'm like, what's wrong? with y'all they said to dream big but the problem is is that often our dreams don't match reality and I'd never been through a building project before I didn't know how much it would cost to build a lazy river in the middle of a church and so we have these expectations we do this with our families we have these dreams we have these ideas of things that we we think they should look like and ways that we think they should behave and we say things like well if you really love me you wouldn't do this and if you really knew me, if you really understood me, you wouldn't act that way. And so often we penalize our own families because they don't match the dream that we have for them. And so our verse last week, Proverbs 24.3, it's also our verse for this week. It says, by wisdom, a house is built. So the foundation of our house needs to be wisdom. And the way that we gain wisdom is by doing what God says. It's by following God and obeying God. That's how we gain wisdom wisdom. So when you don't know what to do, you go back and you say, okay, God, what should I do? What would you do in this situation? God, I want to honor you with my life. I want to build a foundation in my family. And it starts with wisdom. The second part of the verse, though, it says, and through understanding, it is established. So wisdom builds the house, but the establishment, the, the, the making of the home, making sure that everything is running smoothly, that comes through understanding. And if you're taking notes, that's our, our, our second key to remodeling the family. Three keys to remodeling the family. The first one is wisdom. The second one is understanding. Can we just talk about understanding for a second? So much drama and fighting and issues in our family come from misunderstanding. 
So many of the problems that we deal with are not because the people in our family are evil and are trying to ruin our day. So many of the problems that we deal with come because we misunderstand what they were trying to do. They tried to apologize. We didn't hear it as an apology. They were running late. We hear it as they don't care about us, and we say that they're lazy. We don't understand each other, and because we don't understand, it often leads to massive, massive issues in the family. I I saw this quote the other day, and I think it's really powerful. It says, a single moment of misunderstanding is so poisonous that it makes us forget the hundred lovable moments spent together within a minute. And think about that. You could have a great day with your family, but one misunderstanding can ruin the whole day. One misunderstanding, one wrong word, one word said that doesn't sit right with you, one thing that doesn't meet your expectation, it only takes one misunderstanding to cause so much havoc and problems in our family. And can we just, just for a second, can we just take a pause and say, a lot of the time the misunderstanding is because we speak a different language than our family members. Hear me on this. If you have people in your life that are intentionally hurting you, you need to take a break from them and separate and find some serious help. If you have people in your life that are physically harming you or or, or intentionally walking in the room and abusing you, that is not what we're talking about tonight. There are real toxic, painful things that need to be dealt with, and we need to address those. But in my observation... Most of the family issues that we deal with are not abuse, and they do happen, but for most of us, it comes down to misunderstanding. That someone says something, and we don't like their tone, and so we fuss at them. Someone didn't do what we think they should do, and so our feelings get hurt, and so we lash back out at them. And our families, most of the people in our family, they love us, and we love them, but because of misunderstanding, we turn them into an enemy, So often, uh, it just simply comes down to miscommunication. Uh, I think this is somewhat of a funny story. It was not funny when I was going through it. But my senior year for prom, I had a major misunderstanding. Uh, The girl that I asked to go to prom uh, was someone that I didn't know very well. And I just wanted to go as, as, as friends. I just wanted to go hang out. And so I asked her to go with me to prom. And when she said yes... I then communicated with her that for all of our other celebrations, homecoming, and every other thing that we had at our school, I was always the designated driver. And it's not because any of us were drinking alcohol. It's because my parents owned a van, and so everyone could ride in the van. Back then, we didn't have things like GPS or smartphones. 1996, if you wanted to know how to get somewhere, you had to pull out a map and actually figure out where to go. I have a horrible sense of direction, and I don't really know how to read maps. That's not a good combo in 1996. So on every trip, I was driving a van full of my friends to go to homecoming, go to all these these things that we had, and I just said to her, I said, it stresses me out so bad. This is the last thing that we have. It is my prom. I just want to enjoy it, and I don't want to be the driver. I thought I was clear with that. Well, a couple weeks go by, and then it's the the weekend of our prom, and so I I call her, and I say, hey, what time do you want me to pick you up? And she says, oh, no, you don't have to pick me up. I'll just meet you at the restaurant. 
And I said, well, are you sure? Like, when are we going to get pictures? And she said, oh, we're good. We'll take them at the restaurant. Now, I didn't want to pressure. I was like, okay, like, whatever. Like, I guess we just won't take pictures together, and, like, we'll figure this out. And so she shows up at the restaurant. I show up at the restaurant. We go and eat. I think everything is, is fine. Our prom that night was on the spirit of Norfolk. And so after dinner, we uh, drove separately to the, the spirit of Norfolk. And uh, that night at, at, at the prom, um, you know, I thought everything went fine. I thought it was an okay night. But things start to wrap up, and we have an after prom that's at someone's house. I went to a small private Christian school, and so the after prom was, at, it was just at one of, one of our, our friends' houses. And so I say, okay, um, I will now take you from the Spirit of Norfolk to the house. And she says, no, 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 you don't have to drive me. I have another ride. And I'm like, okay, like, I really don't mind dri- driving you. Like, I just didn't want to drive everyone. And like, but I, I don't have a problem. And she said, no, it's fine. I got a ride. She did say, though, because she could tell that I, I was kind of wanting to drive. She said, um, after the after prom, you can take me home. And I said, okay, great. That, that's, that's what we'll do. So she rides with someone else. And I then, remember, I said I don't have a good sense of direction. Well, I end up getting lost. And I never made it to after prom. I drove around the neighborhood till 2 a.m., just driving, looking for cars, looking for a house, looking for some type of noise, looking for this after prom, and I could never find it. And finally, around 2 a.m., I said, I'm just exhausted, tired. I'm going home. Now, I thought no big deal because she rode with someone else there, and there's lots of friends there. Someone will give her a ride home. Well, Monday morning when I showed up at my school, my classmates gave me the silent treatment, and I had no idea why. And I walked in, and it was just like everyone looked away and I tried to engage someone and they wouldn't talk to me. And I was walking down the hallway after our first class and I, I was like, hey, hey man, what's going on? And, he, and people wouldn't even make eye contact with me. I finally, after a couple classes of literally being stonewalled and ignored, I finally cornered a friend of mine in the hallway and I just put my hands gently on his shoulders and I said, hey, what is going on? No one will talk to me. And he said, Rob, you are the biggest jerk in the world. We can't believe that, that you would not uh, that you just ditched, said her name, at after prom. And you didn't even come to after prom. And you didn't even take her home. And everyone was talking about it. And everyone was upset. And I was like, no, I wanted a driver. I was lost. I didn't intentionally try to hurt her feelings. It was a series of a lot of miscommunication. And what could have easily been fixed by just having a conversation of just saying, hey, what was going on there? Just some easy explanation ended up turning into a lot of drama. And I tell you that story because I see that thing happen in our families all the time. That a little misunderstanding turns into so much hurt and so much drama. A little misunderstanding just a little of misunderstanding the context or, or the social cues or misunderstanding their tone, it leads to so much hurt and so much, so much confusion. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Michelangelo's famous statue of Moses, um, but Michelangelo uh, is, is, was an amazing artist, created a lot of famous art pieces, also my favorite Ninja Turtle, and he created a, a statue of Mo- Moses, and you'll see in this image that Moses has two horns on the top of his head. This comes because of a miscommunication. The original Bible, the Old Testament, was written in Hebrew. 
And there is a, a, a real-life story of where Moses goes up to the mountain and he encounters God's presence. And because he encounters God's presence, he comes off of the mountain with, with, uh, with a, 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 a glow, that his face is radiant, it is glowing. The Hebrew word for glow is very similar to the Hebrew word for horn. And the Bible in Michelangelo's day translated that when Moses came off the mountain, he had horns of God. And so when Michelangelo makes the statue, he makes it with Moses having horns. And so often we put horns on our family members. We say, oh, they meant to do that. If they really loved me, they wouldn't have responded that way. If they really knew who I was, they wouldn't have treated me like that. If they really understood who I was they would not have have, have given me that gift. If they really understood, so much of our drama comes from misunderstanding. Look at what the scriptures say in Proverbs 18.2. It says, Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Now, fools is a very strong word. And it says that fools find no pleasure in understanding. What that means is that you have a perspective and you have a way that you look at the world. And when your feelings are hurt, what you're going to want to do is only see that through your perspective. But they have a different perspective. And if you don't ask questions, if you don't calm down, if you don't take a deep breath and figure out why they did what they did, you can misunderstand someone's good intentions. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing their own opinions. We looked at this last week, but what is a fool? A fool is someone who knows the difference between right and wrong, but chooses to do what is wrong anyway. That's what a fool is. A fool is someone who says, I know what I should do, but I just did the opposite. And I want to talk just for a second because misunderstanding brings out the fool in all of us. I don't know about you, but I'm guessing that most of us have some things in our life that we say, I don't want to react in anger. I don't want to react with fussing. I don't want to react with with name calling. I don't want to react the way that I always react. But when they do this, it triggers me. When they do this, it makes me so angry. I I don't want to respond that way, but I do it anyway. That is some foolishness on our part that we can't control other people in our lives. We are only responsible for learning how to control ourselves. And when someone doesn't meet our expectations or when someone does something that hurts us, it does not help the situation to respond in a way that creates more division. I want to show you how powerful misunderstanding is and how the human brain is wired. And I want to show you this by uh, illustrating um, in in a way that I I hope it's going to be helpful. If this is not helpful, I'm not going to repeat this on Sunday. You are my guinea pigs. I think this is going to be helpful. I hope. Dear God, help this to be helpful. (laughs) Now everyone's nervous because I'm coming off the stage. Okay. I I need you two to be my guinea pigs. You two, come on up onto the stage. All right, this is Courtney and Dee Dee. Everyone say, hi, Courtney. Hi, Dee Dee. All right. So I need you guys to stand face-to-face with each other. Like, yep, you stand there. Yep, right about there. Okay, great. 
You're married. You can stand close. You're good. Okay, so when we start a family, when we are in relationship with people, we have this expectation that if they love us, they'll just understand who we are. But whenever there is a misunderstanding, whenever there is a disagreement, automatically in our brains, it creates a divide. And so you need to understand the way that your brain is wired. The reason that misunderstanding is so hurtful and so powerful is because our brains are wired to listen for agreement. So here is how this plays out. What is something that you guys don't agree on? It can be silly. It doesn't have to be like, this isn't counseling. You don't have to give like a major thing. Just something silly that you guys disagree on. Garbage. Garbage. Okay. There's a disagreement. Now, now I have questions. What do we disagree with with garbage? Why is it so hard to separate the garbage? It's like it's garbage. And recycling. Garbage and recycling. So we have a difference of opinion, right? Okay, all right. This, thank you guys so much. This is so helpful. This is a great example. So we have a difference of opinion, right? Now, in her brain, it makes so much sense. It is so easy. This is a simple problem. We don't know why because we haven't asked the right question, but in his brain, it's not that simple. So now there's a disagreement. Now, because instantly when there's a disagreement, there becomes a divide. Take a step back. Now, as soon as there is a divide, our brains start trying to figure out, how do I win this person over? And the way that we try to win this person over is by fighting with them. We think, if I, if I yell at him, if I argue with him, then that's going to win him over to my side. And so we say things, I don't think you do this, but we say things like, <laughs> it's not that hard. Why are you so dense? Now, all of a sudden, there's already a divide. Name-calling calls, take another step back, another divide. And then we're like, well, we don't know how to solve this problem. It's just so simple. If he would just do it my way, and then we start to complain. And then we start to complain about other things. And then from your perspective, I, I, I'm making all this up, okay? This, <laughs> from your perspective, you start to say things like, why does it even matter? I just want to have a nice, I just want to have a nice night together and she's fussing at me about the guard why does it even why does it even matter so now there is a further take a step back now there is a further divide and you see his indifference of saying well why does it matter as you saying well it matters because it matters to me and when you say that it doesn't matter what you're saying is that you don't care about me and now there's a bigger divide and eventually, as this keeps going, by the time you ask for help or go to see a counselor, you're fighting about things that aren't even the real issue. Now, how do we fix this? Because whenever there's a disagreement, there is a divide. So how do we fix this divide? Well, you are never going to force him to see your perspective. And you're never going to force her to see your perspective. The only way to fix this divide is to understand where the other person is coming from. Now, understanding is different than agreement. I don't have to agree with someone to understand where they're coming from. So here's how this looks. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The goal of communication is understanding, not agreement. So this is how this works out practically. We have a disagreement. There's a huge divide. When you start to show that you understand his perspective and you start to say things like, 
you know what? I can see this is not that big, big of a deal. In the grand scheme of our lives, separating recycles from trash, it's a level one compared to the things we could fight about. I'm going to, I understand why this may not be a big deal. Now watch what happens. You take a step close because she's showing she understands your perspective. Now, what would happen if you came home and you saw Courtney separating the recycling from the trash? What would that cause you to do? Take a step in. It would cause you to come closer. Now, you may not agree that it's important. You may never agree. But when you show her that you understand that it's important to her, automatically it brings people together. The goal of communication is not agreeing. You're not going to agree on this. Couples do things different all the time. All the time we are wired differently. You say right, she hears left. You say left, he hears right. There's constantly miscommunication. And whenever there's a miscommunication, we go to unhealthy tactics to try to beat the other person up. We think, well, if I, if I argue with them, if I nag them, if I insult them, if I win them over, that's going to win this thing and I'm going to have my way. But all it does is continue to push the divide. So instead of listening for agreement, you've got to train yourself to listen for understanding. So how do you listen for understanding? Well, whenever there's a misunderstanding, you've got to start asking questions. Why is this trash so, can you help me understand, why is this recycling so important to you? And then she has a chance to respond. And maybe she would say, I have no idea. This is the silliest thing. Why do we fight about this? Or maybe she would, oh, there you go. He, <laughs> he gets it. He gets it. But maybe she would say that she is carrying a ton of stress in her life. And she's caring and worrying about a lot of things that it's hard for her to communicate. And when she sees that the recycling and the trash is not separated, it adds extra stress to her life. And she doesn't mean to fuss and to nag about it, but she just wants to live in a home that is, is peaceful and understanding and not have this extra stress. And when you hear that, you can say, I may never agree with the way that you do trash, but I can understand what you're saying. And if you were to show her you understand, it's going to bring you guys back together. Would you thank them? Thank you guys so much. You guys can have, can you ha you can have a seat. So... I need a little feedback. Did that make sense? Did that work? Is that? Okay. Understanding is so incredibly important. And when you only listen to agree, the problem is you may never get the other person to agree with you. What you have to do is learn to understand where they are coming from. And when you bring understanding to the table it automatically causes the other person to say, they care about me. They may not agree. We may see things differently, but I understand where you are coming from. Look what Proverbs 14, 29 says. It says, whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Don't we need some of that in our families? Couldn't we all use a little bit of patience? Man, she drives me crazy when she does that understand, understand, bring some patience, take a deep breath, don't be quick-tempered. So let's go back to our theme verse, Proverbs 24, 3. It says, by wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is 
established. So wisdom builds a house, but it is understanding that establishes it. It is understanding that keeps the house going. Can I just tell you that if you're here today and you are a Christian, understanding is so incredibly important. Because you know how God treats us? God doesn't look at our folly and our mistakes and say, I'm just so tired of them. If they would just get their act together, I don't understand why they're so lazy. I don't understand why they do. No, God understands that we are sinners and that we need him. And because he understands where we're coming from, God sent his only son, Jesus, to die for us. So if you're here today and you are a Christian, it doesn't feel natural to try to understand where your family's coming from. It doesn't feel natural, but it's what Jesus did for us. So the three keys to remodeling our family, number one is wisdom. Number two is understanding. Number three, you're going to have to come back for to here. <laughs> number three, we're going to break it down uh, and, and continue in our verse. But before we move on, I want to give you a, a prayer to pray for this week. And I would encourage you to pray it more. We're going to move on from this series once we leave February. But these are the type of prayers that I think you can pray every day. You can pray them regularly. Because we constantly need to remind ourselves that our family is not trying to make and ruin our days. Our family's not trying to destroy us. Most of us aren't married to, to people who are trying to be evil. They are hurting us because there's misunderstanding. So the way to fix the misunderstanding is with some, some, some questions, with some leaning in, with some empathy. So here's the prayer. God, for the sake of my family, give me the wisdom to know what's right and grant me the understanding I need to love my family. God, I don't understand because they're weird. I don't understand because they're so different. If they would just do it like I did it, everything would work out. But have you ever felt misunderstood? Have you ever felt like you just wanted someone to see your perspective? Your family wants the same thing from you. So God, for the sake of my family, give me the wisdom to know what's right and grant me the understanding I need to love my family. And may we be a people that are dedicated to building families on the foundation of God's word. May we know that we all have issues, but God gives us the tools that we need to fix the problems in our family. And may we bring wisdom and understanding to our family so that whenever there's a disagreement, we can bridge the gap of the divide. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for your love for us, and we thank you that you are a God of understanding, that you are a God who gave us not what we deserve, but you gave us what we needed. We needed your empathy. We needed your love. We needed your grace. We needed your son to die for us. And so we just thank you for that. And we ask God that you would give us this reminder that the people in our lives are most likely not trying to hurt us. So whenever there is a disagreement, we need to bring understanding to the table. Help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. If you would like to hear more, please visit our website at nextlevelchurch.net. You can also follow us on social media at nextlevel757. Join us next time.